Hello and welcome to Clean Beauty Asia's podcast. I'm your host, Ali Rook. This interview series is a collection of conversations with people who operate, support, and facilitate beauty brands doing business in Asia. My aim is to provide valuable insights and information to make your beauty brand's transition into Asia as smooth and successful as possible. This first series is dedicated to cross-border e-commerce in China, and I really hope you find it valuable. Thank you so much for listening. Welcome, everybody, to my interview series. This episode of the interview series, we're talking to Charlotte Mantel. She is a partner at Leaf Law Firm, who focus really on helping and supporting beauty brands enter the China market. Welcome, Charlotte. Good morning, Ali. Thank you very much. So I'm Charlotte Mantou in charge of Leaf Paris office. Leaf law firm specializes in merger and acquisition and has developed skills internally or in collaboration with external experts in order to support clients throughout their deals and in particular cross-border operation between Europe and Asia. Our experience allows us to fully understand the legal implication and risk of doing business in China to provide efficient solutions to navigate through complex legal environment in China. Thank you for having me today. Oh, you're welcome. It's great to have you. And I think we've obviously done some preparation before this call, and there are a few really interesting topics that we want to get into. So, you know, when beauty brands are coming into China, there are several different options in terms of partners. The first one is distributors. They also trade partners. And then we're now seeing more of certain distributors wanting to take a stake in brands. So let's start with distributors. Distributors, one of the downsides of working with a distributor that I often talk to clients about is the loss of control that you have. So uh, when clients are looking at that structure, what do you normally advise in ways of protecting themselves from that Mm -hmm. loss of control? Yeah, with distributors, the brands are pretty safe because they sell the product to the distributor and then the distributor resell it to local customers uh, through their own store. So this is pretty uh, easy for the brand. However, we protection in this model goes with IP, of course. Mm-hmm. The trademark, cosmetic registration, even WeChat ID need to be registered in China by the mm-hmm. foreign brand. This is a must to distribute in China on the main Chinese platform. And we can still see many brands coming to fairs or exhibition without being protected. So that will be the first, you know, main point to be taken before coming to fairs or exhibition. Another problem that we see is brands have to deal with adapt their decision-making process to the speed of the Chinese market, more specifically to the speed of the social networks and e-commerce platform in China. Distributors are providing the content of the marketing message to e-commerce platform, and they need to have very fast feedback from the brand, sometimes within several hours. So Leaf team invites always its clients to make sure that clear guidelines are established between the brand and the Chinese distributor so that the message are clear and in compliance with the brand image. Mm-hmm. We think that also brands need to adapt their message to the Chinese customer. If you take a lifestyle brand that communicate with only white models in a certain way of life, like where people are walking in the countryside or doing picnic outside, that message will not speak at all to the Chinese customer. 
and the brand will be damaged if the brand only provides this kind of content to its distributors. Mm. So it's really that the brand needs to adapt its content, even the name, to create touch points with the Chinese customer. And such IP shall also be registered with the Chinese trademark office in, in China. Yes, I think that's very important what you were saying at the beginning about before you come to trade shows, before you start to sort of talk to part, potential partners, make sure that you have that trademark and those key IP pieces in place because otherwise you're sort of opening yourself up to the potential of someone squatting. Bad faith registration. Yeah, yes. exactly, exactly. Exactly. Also, we think that the brand image to be preserved, the, the, the brand needs to support the, the distributor. They need to find a middle way between autonomy of the distributor and control of the brand. Mm-hmm. This goes beyond supporting their effort in marketing or offering training. That's a great way to ensure reciprocal collaboration and shared goals between the brand and the distributor. Mm. Yes, absolutely. IP, adapt the content, adapt the message to Chinese customer, preserve the brand image, not considering that only the distributor will deal with the sale of the product, but be on the side of the distributor to preserve this brand image. Yes. Also, we recommend definitely to define minimum purchase to allow the brand to exit in case of non-performance of the distributor. Yes. Yes. One thing that you mentioned before about WeChat registration. So with a brand that is with a distributor, the distributor registers the WeChat or does the brand, which where would you recommend? It depends. If you do not have a company in China, you cannot register your WeChat ID yeah. in China, but you can do it on the WeChat International. Okay. And what you can always do is to have the distributor opening it and to insert a clause in the contract stating that in case the distribution agreement is terminated, they have to transfer, if possible, according to the rules of the platform or the social media, to transfer the account to either the brand or any third party designated by the brand. Okay. Yeah, I think that's a good point that brands maybe don't think about in the beginning. So with distributors, we're seeing distributors now changing how they want to work with brands. You know, ideally, now many distributors want to have They want to incubate brands. They want to be able to have more of a stake and investment in the brands that they bring into the market. And I know that you've done quite a bit of work with brands on this. So can you tell us a bit more about how that works? Yeah. So for some cosmetic brands, the Chinese distributor is the largest of their turnover. You know, these distributors are creating the value of the brand. And actually, they want to benefit from the upside if the brand is sold to a larger group at a later stage. As you can guess, you know, the distributor will lose the distribution of the products mm. uh, and of the brand if it's sold to a larger cosmetic group. Mm. So when you are in, in such a case where the distributor wants to incubate the brand, main question is, what is the distributor trying to achieve? Is he trying to only create distribution locking so that the brand will never be able to be distributed in the market with someone else? Mm. Or is it a strategic investment for a potential exit later? The distributor might want to get some equity early, believing that it will be a great upside in case of trade sale in the brand in the future. So what can you confer to the distributor? Uh, what will be his role as equity partner? You can either uh, grant him a seat at the board of the company 
if he becomes an equity partner. Mm -hmm. The distributor in such case might bring another vision, help to initiate the necessary change to adapt to Chinese market, but it may reduce the brand capacity, including in negotiating prices because the distributor will have access to insider information mm -hmm. on the accounts of the company mm -hmm. and it can allow the distributor to challenge the price increase. Mm -hmm. But you can also think of limiting access to inform some of the information in the shareholder agreement when you have your distributor as equity partner. For example, they will not have access to the patent or formula of the cosmetics products because you are not the only brand which is distributed by the new yes. partner. Yeah. So you will need to be extremely careful on confidentiality and non-competition non provision. Mm. So depending on the distributor goals, the brand option, if the relation source or whether the brand is giving any control versus just creating financial opportunities, it could be a good idea or not. Mm. We, the, with the Leaf team, have proposed some contractual structure according to which distributor receive a portion of the capital or of the enterprise value under the form of equity or non-equity mm -hmm. mechanism. Mm -hmm. Of course, in that case, we need to define KPIs, equivalent of vesting that will incentivize the distributor on the long term to keep on performing. Mm. In terms of the way that the distributors and brands can structure their deals, what is an overview of the popular sort of structures? Okay, so there is three types. The Chinese partner can invest directly in the holding company, you know, either as equity deal or capital increase. In such case, often the Chinese market is one of the most important developing market for the brand and the distributor is willing to become the equity partner. They want to have a portion of the equity to make sure that trade sale cannot be done without them knowing it. Mm -hmm. They will try to get co-sell rights that allows them to sell their shares to the purchaser at the same terms and condition offered by the majority shareholder of the brand. Of course, the problem will be to value the portion of the equity to be allocated to the distributor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we can see that some sophisticated distributor will propose a business plan and to invest in the local distribution against a portion of the shares calculated based on financial audits. We have with a Leaf Corporate Finance team help to value the brand company and to propose the best financial business model and relevant KPIs to the brand mm -hmm. to allow them to allocate part of the equity to the distributor. So this is the number one. Number two, we can see that companies are incorporating a joint venture dedicated mm -hmm. for the Asian market. The JV model will allow to increase the capacity, share the risk and the cost with the distributor, and the party will be able to choose the information they disclose yes, to each more other. Control. Yeah, exactly. Mm. You only communicate to each other sharing the data related to the activity or mm. to the joint project for a dedicated market. So mm. the, the distributor will not benefit of the full worldwide mm. um, benefit of the company, but only on the Asian market. Yeah. We can see a third type of structure, which is on non-equity mechanism. The distributor will get some bonus 
in case of change of control. So that this type of bonus may be a fixed price or an amount based on the value of the trade sale, depending on what is decided between the brand and the distributor. But this will allow the founder of the cosmetic brand to keep all the equity and not to have the distributor in a lock-in situation. Mm, okay. So those three structures going from the distributors getting the most sort of control down to the least. And I think joint venture is something that's been being used for quite a while. But I think the one that I've seen more distributors really keen on is this equity piece that they're trying. And yes. obviously we can see why with the mergers and acquisition market, of especially indie brands globally, with bigger groups buying from Drunk Elephant. You know, there are so many sort of really high profile examples, right? Yes. What we can see is that often the distributor now goes to startup cosmetic brands because if you have the equity at the early stage, then it's easier and often the brands are not really aware of what will be the consequences at a later mm. stage. So that's what we can see for now. New mm. brands coming on the market, having good relationship with the distributor, sharing the equity with the distributor and the distributor will benefit from the upside at the later stage when the company is sold to a larger group. Yeah. Mm. And in terms of the benefits for the brands, like, of course, there is a benefit of having someone who really understands the China market working really as part of your team for a long term, if they've got that equity or, or joint venture structure. Are there any other particular upsides for the brands that you can see apart from this obvious one, obviously, of the increased interest in the brand's success? Depending on the relationship you have with, with your distributor, you know, to have them as an equity partner will also lock them in to make sure that they develop the market. So it could be a good option to have them on the side, but you still need to remain careful there is not only the China market, the Chinese market or the Asian market. So that's why you can rule in the shareholders agreement exactly how the collaboration will be between the shareholders and how the distributor will need to continue to develop the market to make sure that at some time there is the, this upside. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. And I think the other thing that I would be interested to know is with these brands that do go down this route, especially with the equity, are they generally brands that you found to have been in the market for a while and then they do this? Or this is really at market entry stage? Yeah, we can see both, actually. Yeah. We can see market entry stage. Of course, of course. And that's something that smaller brands, as you sort of mentioned before, really need to watch out for because you don't want to get tied in with a partner when you're very early stage and I suppose if you've got the right agreement in place and they have to meet certain criteria in terms of developing and continuing to develop your brand then that's okay but you know a bit like what say Tmall Global does in terms of they get a load of brands onto the platform they want as many brands as possible to see which one succeeds right so I can see some Chinese distributors having that attitude because as you said it's cheaper to get it doesn't cost as much to get in early but then only one of those bets will probably pay off so for, from the brand's perspective they really need to make sure that that distributor is going to keep working for them yeah yeah you're right and I think also the the question for the brand is will you have the distributor coming as equity partner 
with an equity deal. So the founder are selling equity to the distributor or do you think that your brand needs to have capital increase or fundraising and the distributor, you will issue new shares of the company. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. So like that, the, the, the money invested by the distributor will go into the company and not into the founder pocket to develop a new projects for the brand. So in the equity model, this is two options that you have. Do you think that you already done a lot of work and you pay off on that, having the distributor as equity partner and you sell some of your shares? Or do you think that uh, the company needs fund to develop and then you do a capital increase with a fundraising with your distributor becoming an equity partner? Yes. I mean, most of the indie brands that I've seen that have gone down this route, it's really to get the funds to do the China market in a way that yeah. will, that, that, that it needs, right? Because it's an expensive mm. market. So, so to be able to really get that splash when you first go in and you need that injection of cash and you get the added value of having a partner that really understands the market. So there's that sort of synergy there that I, yes. that I think brands like. Well, then I think the last one is trade partners. So obviously we've talked about distributors, but trade partners is another partner option, especially yes. for cross-border brands. So what do you think, you know, trade partners, you can keep control, much more control of the brand. Mm -hmm. It's much more hands-on. So what are some areas that brands should watch out for with trade partners? Okay, so you say trade partner, I say TP, so like that, you know, we're... <laughs> Okay. So if you want to expand on the Chinese market and own the store, keep the control, but you do not have time or dedicated teams to manage the e-stores, you can consider using the third-party providers such as the TP, which we manage the store on your behalf, capture the traffic, work on the conversion into sales, develop the user interface and the customer experience and manage the logistic for your brand, okay, to expand on the domestic Chinese market. What we can see is in using the TP model, brand has a stronger control of the brand strategy and the plan, product, price, channel, promotion, you know, all that is decided by the brand with the help of the TP advising you, but usually most TP are helping the brand to develop this, this strategy, okay? The TPs are usually on a commission-based service. So they only take a cut after the product has been sold, mm -hmm. which is making them to work closely with the brand to make sure that it executes and implements the China strategy according to the brand requirements. What the LEAF team recommends is to have like a framework master agreement with your TP partner with various statement of work you know, and if there is one of the service that you do not agree with the TP or you consider that another service provider can help you to develop this part for the brand, you can always exit, but keep the main framework master agreement with the TP. So you can always add on service provider to it. Mm -hmm. So we think it's really a, a great model for the brands. However, the disadvantage of TP it's not really a disadvantage, but the comparison with the business model is that the brand will have more responsibility and should yes. allocate resources, mm -hmm. for example, for incorporating a subsidiary in China. Okay, so that's the first one. You will need to have a subsidiary in China. The brand will have higher marketing and brand strategy costs in China rather than in the distribution model. 
so it's a higher level of investment on the TP model. Mm. For large for large brand, this is not an issue, but small and medium sized brands sometimes find this less achievable uh, mm. because of this higher cost. So they might go on the distribution model, but with less control. So mm. control and cost or uh, distribution model. Yes, the balance for brands that decision making is is difficult. I mean. You know, with all the brands that I work with, we currently do cross border. So for cross border with a TP, you don't need to have. It's fine. A, yes, exactly. You don't need to have a subsidiary. Yeah. If you want to go into the China domestic market, yeah. then you need to have a subsidiary. If exactly. you stay on cross border, for sure, no need for for now. No. But you know, as soon as they start to be on the cross border, brands are willing to move forward on domestic markets because you know. 2.2% of the sales are done cross-border only, but 98.8% yeah. are done on domestic markets. So for the brand, at some point, they will want to develop. And if you want to stay with your TP, then you will need to incorporate a subsidiary in China. Of course. And yeah. to have your product registered in China. Yes. And that's all, that's all for another topic on another day. The changes yeah. with animal testing. And yes, how- big change. Exactly. And how that will affect the domestic market and and many brands that come on from that are currently cross border looking at how they'll move. So I think maybe, you know, what we were talking about before in terms of distributors getting equity and especially distributors that have strong links to offline retail. I think that's something that more brands would be looking to consider potentially based on these changes. Yeah, totally. The Chinese regulation are, are moving changing and it's changing quickly so by the end of the year there will be new and uh, entry on the domestic uh, market that the brands were not considering before yeah absolutely absolutely so there's a lot of things for the brands to consider but i think we've gone through the three main structures and given them some good things to watch out for because it is tricky you know negotiating any of these structures and and I think your point with the TPs about having a master service agreement is a really interesting one and it's one that brands should definitely look at because often brands that I work with we will give them you know the TP will run the operations with the platform as well as the marketing within the platform the Mm e-commerce platform but then I would advise the brand to have a marketing agency to really do the brand building piece in China so that's something that we we like to look at. Yeah, depending on your TP, because yes. some TPs are very good with marketing agencies, some are not really, and that's why it's always good to exit some part, to be able to exit some part of the services if you're willing to have uh, someone else coming to assist the brand. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and then without making the main contract fall because yeah. of that service change. Yeah, absolutely. So Charlotte, thank you so much for today. I think there are so many valuable insights there that brands will be able to take away and think about. And when they're sort of ready to take that first step into the China market, if they want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Is LinkedIn a good way if they want to reach out or your yeah, website? Absolutely. We are we are on LinkedIn. We are on our website, leave dash legal.com you can find us both ways we will be happy to uh, assist cosmetics brands uh, for any question they may have to enter the china market
Fantastic. And I'll put all the details in the notes as well so people can find you easily. Thank you so much, Charlotte. Thank you very much, Ali. Thank you so much for joining me in this episode of Clean Beauty Asia, the podcast with me, Ali Rook. I hope you found the content useful with tips and tricks and takeaways that can really help you move your China journey forward. I always like to hear from my listeners, so please join me on LinkedIn, Ali Rook, or Instagram, Clean Beauty Asia, and I'll be very happy to talk to you more. Thanks again for listening. See you next week.